Welcome to the podcast of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover, and as you may have noticed, our TGIF regular, Tommy Dean, has been missing from our panel. He's back in America for a couple of months. And while we've missed him on TGIF, he's instead been joining us with a weekly letter from America. So if you're keen on catching up with him, stay listening at the end of this podcast for Tommy Dean's Letter from America. But first, this week's TGIF. We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... studio at the ABC in Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday with the music. It's a musical powerhouse that is Diesel, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm Richard Glover. Let's meet the panel. It is Subby Valentine, Mandy Nolan and H.G. Nelson. <laughs> and our audience this week, drawn from Mullumbimby, Wentworth Falls, Blackson, Springwood, Brungle and Bowen Mountain. <laughs> But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. Forget Greta Thunberg. I am the world's leading climate change campaigner. Well, (laughs) since last Wednesday. That's when we had the solar panels installed, linked to an app on my phone. Now, wherever I am, I can open the app and see how much energy we are creating at home and how much we are consuming. Right now, we're exporting 2.37 kilowatts to the grid. It's such a good feeling. (laughs) Yes, I'm saving the planet. More to the point, I'm coining upwards of 10 cents an hour doing nothing. (laughs) If this keeps up, I could be a dollar ahead by the end of the day. Life... (laughs) Life does not get much better. Certainly you have to put in a bit of effort. Ever since I became an energy exporter, I have been patrolling the house, trying to maximise our production. Yes, I get some complaints along the lines of, I was using that light to read a book. Or, why didn't you save my work before turning off my computer? But I think people are grateful. The app displays even the smallest amount of consumption allowing me to check the savings as I turn off each computer, each light, each appliance, the router, everything. (laughs) The only problem, just last night, I turned off everything, but there it was. We were still consuming (laughs) 0.0005 of a kilowatt. I checked the fridge. It was not humming. The way I'd put packing tape around it to stop anyone opening the door may have helped. All the overhead lights were out. I'd removed the small globe from the doorbell. (laughs) Nothing was on standby. Yet there it was, the glowing point zero, 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 five. Maybe there's a dead rat in the cellar with his teeth around an electrical cable. I don't know. I hardly sleep, my mind trying to work through every corner of the house. At the office the next day, my workmate suggests I might like to do some work. I understand her point, but I find it hard to tear my eyes away from the app. It's midday. Jocasta is at home. 
She's supposed to be in her office working, but I glance at the app. Our usage is spiking. I feel like ringing her mobile. What are you up to? You're making tea again, aren't you? I reach for the phone, but my workmate counsels me. I, I, think that, I think that might come over as a bit creepy, she says. You know, a bit controlling. Really, I say? But think of the power we could be exporting to the grid if she'd just make do with a glass of water. Plus, when she opens the fridge to access the milk, having removed the packing tape, the fridge might start up again. My workmate lets loose a long sigh. It is a sigh of sisterly solidarity. Chastened, I leave Jocasta alone. But things get worse. There are clouds overhead. We're now producing nothing. And consumption is suddenly through the roof. What's Jocasta up to? Running an aluminium smelter? (laughs) Eventually, my workmate tries again. If you spend all day looking at your app, you'll run down the power on your mobile phone. Then you'll have to charge it when you get home. Oh, my God, she's right. I put the phone away. The trick will be to wait until morning, recharging my phone when dawn raises its rosy fingers. First thing in the morning. Before the sun hits... I gently shake Jocasta awake, serving her a lovely glass of tap water. (laughs) Here's the trick, I say, as she slowly comes to. When you're working today, why not write things out in longhand on a pad whenever the clouds come over? Then when the sun comes out, you could whip over to the computer, turn it on and quickly transcribe what you've written, making sure you watch the sky as you type in case the clouds come back. At this point, she rolls her eyes. Well, I think she rolls her eyes. It's a bit dark in the bedroom as I've not turned on any lights. As it happens, Jocasta explains both of us will be heading out that day. There'll be no computers on in the house, no cups of tea, just the panels humming, power exported, me making money. At work around midday, I allow myself to check the app just to calculate how much I've earned, how much of the planet I've saved. What? Disaster. Clouds overhead, and yet power being used. Why, oh, why has Jocasta left the TV remote control in reach of the dog? (laughs) I must have a word to him. And that's the news from nowhere. (laughs) I love love environmentalism. Just a great excuse for a tight wad... (laughs) I've just found out. Just, so I've just found out that using the kettle is actually horribly inefficient for um, power. Yeah. I have to go for the tap water as well. I didn't yeah, know this. Yeah. I'm always loving hitting the. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not warming the jug from the kettle, are you? That's no comment. <laughs> use it. it was just my husband does that where he goes. I'm not allowed to use the dishwasher at night or anything. It has to be in the day. Like can only be when the panels are operating, mm. and he gets the bill out and he goes, "Have you been using the dishwasher at night?" <laughs> Uh, this has been the biggest increase in male controlling behaviour yeah. seen since the 70s. It's true. I mean, it, we are walking around in the dark with, like, miners' torches on. Like, <laughs> that's exactly this. That's what's laughing so much. Going, my God, that's what it's like at home. Uh, it's good, isn't it? It's good for the environment, bad for the marriage. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how much power we'll save in Australia as all the people... Yeah, which sort of all power? All the couples get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have zero population growth because no, no couples will be speaking... Very good for the environment. Uh, Now, let's check you up with this week's news. Uh, Who can't break the abbot of a lifetime? 
You can't break the Abbots of a lifetime. Well, this well, is Tony Abbott, of course, yeah. with his uh, three-word slogan thing. He's got a new three-word slogan. You, you may remember Tony. Does anyone remember Tony Abbott? No, no. We, we try not to. Yeah, not in Warringah. Many of these people are from Warringah. <laughs> they've, they've blocked it out. So he had his car. He had Stop the Boats. He had Lifters Not Lean, Axe the Tax, and his favourite one, of course, I Eat Onions. That was his favourite <laughs> three-word slogan. But he's got a new one. He's all... Uh, he's, He's, he's waiting. So what Tony Abbott's doing now, because we've all forgotten him, is just sort of touring the world <laughs> and speaking to right-wing nutjobs everywhere that aren't here. That seems to yeah. be his vibe. So he just goes around just making speeches and just saying ludicrous things and we all go... And so, which uh, right-wing nutjobs is he in the company of So now? he's in the UK and, he, and he's... There <laughs> was some right-wing think tank, I think it was, and he, and he said... I think uh, it was the Tory party. No, he did that one, but oh, he, yeah. he, there was oh, some more oh. specific right-wing... Isn't it funny calling it a right-wing think tank? Oh, no, it's <laughs> oxymoron, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's great. Because it's, it's sort oh, of no. not. No, that's... A, I think that's what they're getting at. But he, so She's what he from Mullumbimby. <laughs> <laughs> so he's saying no deal is uh, no big deal. That's his yeah, new slogan. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Which is... It's, which is, it's oh. deal or no deal. It's like he's playing yeah. that game. No, But it just seems weird that... It's funny that he says no big deal about leaving the European Union because he, I mean, he didn't have that idea about Australia becoming a republic, did he? And no, leaving uh, the Commonwealth. Well, consistency's never been his long suit, no. after all. <laughs> no. I mean, the walk is his most consistent bit that <laughs> where's the gunfight, I'm here. <laughs> uh, sort of, look, remember his debt and deficit... Deficit disaster, that was one of his. And, of course, he's on the board of the War Memorial now, a rank of senior sergeant. Uh, uh, He's um, well known in the the monarchy because he made Prince Philip an Aussie knight. Uh, Now, this went over very well with the electorate. Can I just say that um, he's hoping to get his collection of uh, World War II bullets uh, which he's very proud of, into the War Memorial and uh, hopefully some of those Dixies from the Boer War to make up a bit of an exhibition. But when it gets down to it, you know, the thing that I'm hoping you'll get a chance to look at is the Monash Museum. Now, this is, requires a bit of explanation. When he was, um, well, our skip, uh, he decided <laughs> to spend $100 million of our money on building a museum uh, named after the... Uh, well, he's not uh, a um, field marshal yet, but we hope to make him a field marshal soon. Monash, who was involved in the Second World War, no, the First World War in France. So the most expensive museum ever built in France has been built by Australians. Sadly, no one goes to it. There's a few artworks in it, and a it's a bit of off the beaten beaten path, they say. Yeah. Who says it's a bit off? The <laughs> Apparently, it's very it's quite difficult to find. People well, say. What we need to do is make it much more, much more exposed. And uh, my suggestion is that Tony, because he knows about war and he knows about how armies work, we make an immersive experience there featuring mud, rain, gas, bullets, duck boards, tanks and all this sort of stuff. So when people come to it, they become part of the Australian army and they have to fight an imaginary foe in the conditions that would have been there all those years ago. And let's face it, it's over 100 yeah. years ago. So it's like the Liberal Party room, is it? It It'd would be, be like that, coupled with something to do with Bunnings gone berserk. That'd be great. And they should have to wear, instead of a uniform, they should all have to wear, like, Tony's like, little budgie smugglers. Oh, nice. Oh. That like, would work in the that'd mud. That'd be great. That'd, be that'd great. get people sort there. of mud wrestling vibe. Yeah, mud <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Never has the song been so <laughs> horrific. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. thought it was bad in 1915. I know. Yeah. 
That's right. Well, you see, I think that that's what people are looking for now. We've had enough of looking at things, you know, photos and videos and let's face it, videos are great. I think the koala is going to be preserved on a video. I think we're, the state government in New South Wales is worried that by the time I'm dead there'll be no koalas. We'll probably drop off the twig together. But at least kids will be able to go to a video and have a look at what the koalas were on the video. Well, that's all a bit old hat now. We want real experiences. Yeah. We want to be bitten by a bear. Hey, don't get me started <laughs> on koala. I know it's not a bear. But anyway, we'd love to get pissed on by a bear called a koala. Well, that's what we're looking for in the SOM at Monash, this Monash. Ah, oh, that's a- Oh, Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, now, who's got, a, who's got a downer on a bloke called Alexander? Who's well, got a downer this week? Well, this, this was kind of, you know, it, it's Alexander Downer getting in, you know, getting in trouble once again. It's been brought back up because of what happened, you know, Trump wanting to revisit the kind of who started um, the kind of Mueller inquiry. And he's blaming our Alexander Downer. And, I know, and, he's, yeah. and he actually, for the first time ever, he's like a private school boy. He actually did the right thing. He goes, oh, I was supposed to go tell. If I knew something, I had to go tell. I had to go tell. I went and told. Now it just won't, it won't keep coming back. And it's... It was this conversation he had with George Papadopoulos, who, look, I thought George Papadopoulos actually invented the pap smear. So I I thought, what's the Mueller inquiry doing with the pap smear? Uh, And and Downer. Um, It would be if he gave you one. But, um, and and I'm I'm not even quite sure why. Like, it's it's all got a little bit kind of obtuse and a bit strange. But I had a bit of a, I went to a bit of a Google about George Papadopoulos, who actually wrote this book called Deep State Target, How I Got Caught in the Crosshairs of the Plot to Bring Down President Trump, where he talks about Mr Downer um, walking in as he, he walked in looking like a stretched out grey-haired version of Elvis Costello. Mm. Um, Did he call in that book in that book he, read it. He, call, he calls him the devil he calls him the devil from down under. Yeah, the devil. Really? And his theory, this is Pavan, his theory is that he is a secret agent for Hillary Clinton. He's some sort of lefty conspiracy. He's a lefty conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is you know all Australia has responded to this with per- peals yeah. of laughter. Oh, and we go, we wish he was that interesting. Uh, <laughs> if only, then we would have had a leader that had something going for them. But no. <laughs> this is the best thing he's did since he put on the fishnets. Remember oh, that? That's, yeah. This is the, this is, he's peaking. He, he's, had, he's done nothing since then. <laughs> and he thought, I've got to come back. <laughs> and he's into it. Because he's been in the news, there's been some clips of him in Parliament bob up on Twitter and so on. And there's a wonderful clip because uh, he was the leader. It's hard to remember this. He was the leader of the opposition for about six weeks at one point. Um, you know, the Liberal Party change of leadership has been, which we've lived through, has been there for a long time. And there's a lovely uh, exchange between him and Paul Keating, who was the <laughs> Prime Minister at the time. I mean, that may be wrong, actually. You might have been the Treasurer at the time. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there's a great line in it where Keating, in the uh, exchange, when Down is mouthing off uh, about this, you know, I'm not going to take that from you, etc., etc., the immortal reply from Keating is, and how are you getting on over there, Curly? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we ask it again as he's under attack from Trump. Can I, can I say this, though, before people ask, is I have made all my phone calls available to uh, Ru- Rudy Giuliani, uh, and these go back uh, quite some time. Uh, I've included uh, phone calls to Bruce Woodis, Cyril Plum, Roy Slavin, Rudy King, King Wally Otto, <laughs> A.B. Warney, Stumpy Boone, Plugger and Bludging Slug. So I think they'll be able to get to the bottom of once they unravel those phone calls. I didn't know where to send them, so I've just kept, sent them care of Rudy in NYC, and I think that should find him. Uh, you, you may be the one. You, you, Trump should 
redirect his efforts yeah. from Alexander well, Downer to you. Mm. Well, what I love is that no country seems immune from being caught up in this. I think today he wanted to include China. I'm not sure yeah, how that works. Yeah, them. Yeah. That's right. Well, that, you know, yeah. obviously whack at them. Can't be long before Ecuador's on the list. And then we, then we move on to Luxembourg and, you know, San Marino, Vatican City and so on. And then I, we're starting to get somewhere. Do you think he's drunk dialing? He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's just getting pissed and just ringing up countries. Because if you've got their phone numbers, if you were drunk, wouldn't you call them? Like, I'll be going, I'm calling Ukraine. Apparently he's a comedian. He's going, it's not that funny. Uh, <laughs> All right, last question from this week's news. Who should feel free to turf the turf when they raid the roost? Who should feel free we'll to turf have to, the turf? Uh, you know, pass this on to I HG. But, to I, but I just want to do mention, though, it's not surprising ANZ Stadium is going uh, after this grand final. So, yes. so my turf the turf yeah. is, is they could ruin the grass because it's all being uh, renovated. Well, I just think it? it's, it's classic, though, isn't it? ANZ Stadium, it's ANZ, one of the big banks. They're... They're closing another branch. I mean, it's, oh, it's nice. not surprising. And they're going to say, if you want to come in, you've just got to stand outside. That's right, that's right. Can just you do wait. it outside? Do, exactly. Just, there's no fa- staff here anymore. Yeah, we've got a facility for you yeah, to yeah. stay outside. That's That'll right. be how all the grand finals are run now, right, Payne. Right. Exactly. Just stay outside. Yeah, there's no one in here. That's right. Yeah. Look, look, can I say, I, I, I'm the only person who seems to notice this. Can I point out the sponsor of the Canberra Raiders is Huawei? Now, ah. Huawei are a fi- well, technology company and they were going to work on the 5G network in Australia but they've been banned by the government. I think that's right. But they've moved very close to the centre of power in Canberra and, uh, it's tr- and somebody pointed out to me as I was roaming around the building here that Huawei have an ability to be able to get sponsorship of football teams near the seat of government in many, many countries. Uh, this is the soft power approach to all of this. And on the other hand, the poor old roosters, they're sponsored by Steggles, a chicken company. <laughs> <laughs> then we have the decision in Canberra, which we were alluding to a little earlier, about uh, you know growing, going green, the local, um, the local parliament there, decided that, you know, smoke and dope would be okay. Uh, so we have the green machine, green, what's this message? What are kids meant to think? All of a sudden Huawei's in the good books. I mean, it's not as though Huawei's sponsoring the FNQ Cowboys, uh, which is a million miles from Canberra. And this is at the time when Morrison is basically telling us to lay off China as in don't have anything to do with them. Uh, so it is most confusing. Rugby league at the centre of world turmoil yet again. Maybe that Viking horn is just another Huawei communication device. I think an early communication device. I understand that Mal Meninga will be blowing it yeah. on Sunday night, so that's terrific <laughs> that's right. news. The 5G uh, Cannabis Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Watch that game. Imagine them all cuddling in the scrum. <laughs> oh, I love you. And, and, of course, again, a lot of Pink Floyd and Iron Butterfly and Tame Impala and Methyl Ethyl and so on. On the on the soundtrack, can they reverse the horn and turn it into a bong? Is that how it's oh, that's a great idea? Yeah, that could possibly work. That's after exactly the game. what they'll they'll actually pack the pack the horn. That's right. Uh, that's right. And they'll be rolling up Canberra carrots for yeah. those who know that film. Who's going to win, HG? Well, I, I think the uh, Chooks are going to win, uh, not with a lot of confidence, but, um, you know, I mean, obviously a couple of bongs in the bus on the way up and all of a sudden the, the Raiders are history. <laughs> we have Sammy Valentine, Mandy Nolan and HG Nelson on Thank God It's Friday. Thank God It's Friday with Richard Glover. Now, an article this week offered examples of new words coined by young people such as leng, flex and salty 
to which I say good on the young without knowing what any of them mean. Um, But what are the words of your own youth which you would like to see given a new lease of life? Mandy Norman. Well, um, it was funny because at the back I was talking to some young people (laughs) and um, I have young people that I made myself. And one thing I noticed that... (laughs) Here's three we made earlier. I know. (laughs) It was like that. So one thing I noticed they do without talking about mine first is I'm loving at the moment. There's a young bloke talking about capital cities and he goes, yeah, we go all the cap cities. I love that. They make the word short now because... That there may not be a future for this young generation <laughs> with climate change. So for hilarious becomes hilarious, incredible, incred. Mm. I'm loving it. It's like texting the words. But for but, me... But capital doesn't take long to say. No, but, you know, it can if in a short period of time. Cap City, done. We haven't got so, long. We haven't got so long. So cool. But I, lo- I love all the words like, you know, I love spunk. Like if you said someone's a spunk now, it's like clearly they're 65. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, but that was one of the great words of the 70s. Oh, wasn't it? it was a great, great word. word. Go, oh, what a spunk. A spunk rat even. Yeah, a spunk rat. Like if you were a spunk, you were hot, you know. And now if you you just wouldn't say that. As <laughs> no. it comes out, you go, geez, he's a spunk. I've said that to my daughter. It's like, he's a spunk. And they're like, oh, my God, Mum, shut up. <laughs> um, I, but Subby's right. You were two, there were two levels, wasn't there? There was oh, a yeah. spunk. The and elevate. Then, spunk then there was spunk rat. And which, there was some clear. Which was even better. <laughs> Weirdly. Um, <laughs> I liked, you know, there were words that women used to each other. Like um, we'd say, like, oh, my God, she's great, but have you seen her cankles? <laughs> that was the calf into the ankle, the cankle. Do you remember that? No, That's yeah. a terrible word. I, I like it, though, <laughs> uh, in a way, because it's... it's, it, it's Could not- you have cankles and still be a spunk? Oh, I, well, no. Uh, <laughs> Spunky cankles. But you can, I guess, you can. But my favourite of all... If you, and- if you had cankles, could you still get a pash? Yeah, you still can. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when the yeah. lights are off, That's right. uh, in the blue light disco, no one yeah. can see your cankles. Uh, but my favourite word, and I'm not sure if I can say this on the ABC, I'm going to say it anyway because um, I think it's absolutely Aussie, and I think America has taken this from us, and it's dickhead. Mm. Um, it's that, a good word. It's mm. a great word. When yeah. you become an Australian, you should be given that um, as a word to use. What, on some sort of brass plate yeah, or Yeah, a brass plate. <laughs> it's if you don't like something, if someone actually annoys you in traffic, they're a dickhead. Uh, and we don't use that anymore. Like, no one says that anymore. And is that right? No, hardly anyone says that. So daggy. To say, daggy is another one. That is daggy is daggy. But I think, I think dickhead really sums up. A, a time in Australia when we really knew who we were. We, yeah. Look, it's a strange we, election political yeah. pro, uh, <laughs> policy to have, but I think you'll win. Yeah, yeah I think I will. The dickhead party. <laughs> I think we've already got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we've got several. <laughs> what, are the, what are the words we should bring back? Subby? Diesel came up with a good one before, actually, one I'd forgotten about that I used to use a lot. Uh, Ponce. Yeah, yeah. You threw in a bit of a ponce there. That's a great word. I like yeah. how you say yeah. it too. Like, what a ponce. When you say it, you lift up your bottom you a little really, bit. You've got a ponce. You've got to get it. You've really got to get it. But also you can, add, you, can, you can throw a Y on the end of that. Po- it's a bit poncy, that's right. Poncy, yeah. yeah. Poncy. So that's kind of because it's not too bad. It's not too, you know, rough. Oh, you could be a poncy dickhead. Yeah. yeah, even still, there's worse. You know what I mean? There's something not too bad about being a Ponzi dickhead. I wouldn't mind being a, I'm a bit of a yeah. Ponzi dickhead. I don't mind that. No, that's all right. Means you're up yourself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that was, that's a good one. Something we, harking back to something we've been talking about earlier, something my dad used to say, and I got off him and some of my friends used to say all the time, was, oh, come on, mate, get off the grass. Oh, mm. I love that. And that's very relevant, as yeah. we were talking before, vis-a-vis Canberra and what's going on down there. It could yeah. now be get on the grass. And but <laughs> get off the grass is a great expression. It's true. It's even for the ANZ Stadium. It's that's like right. That's exactly right. Come on, mate, just get off the grass. <laughs> so I love that one. Uh, 
And we used to call people, as a term of use, call someone, and it's sort of you actually, I'm sure you've heard say this one, but going way, way back when I was a kid, just calling someone a goose. Oh, yeah, goose is, goose is a great goose word. Is a I, I reckon you still say that, HG, do you? Uh, well, I love goose. <laughs> I love goose. Look, look, the thing that happened was uh, when, we, when we started work, we realised that the language was, uh, you know, you used it in slang and all that sort of stuff. But the really good ones were getting bullets in there, which, you know, you really tried to establish because you had several hours to fill in yeah. radio. You filled it up with words. Remember uh, thinking that I broke the word brouhaha. Yeah. Now, that's very common now. People say that quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, other one was Wow, which didn't take off wow. until somebody we used the words in a specific way in sport where the match goes into a dwell, which is nothing much is happening. Oh. But then years later somebody came up to me and said, there's actually a language which has that, as that word in that meaning, and I was sort of shocked by this, thinking how would I ever inhale that idea? Um, but going back to words that were around when I was younger, the three that I think could come back with confidence is unit, as in yeah. nice little unit, put away a few units last night. Oh, no, no not gr- like a person, not like yeah. a big unit. Oh, a big oh. unit, obviously. Yeah, yeah that's something. Well, not, that- not like a not very well built building in Sydney. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a yeah. sinking building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, that unit's sinking. Uh, uh, Keep the big unit. units off and got a crack in it. Yeah, that's right. Or badly clad. Uh, <laughs> the big unit bad cladding. Uh, the other one was king, which is a coverall word meaning grouse or good or, you know, okay. And king, you can get a bit of tone to it. The vowels are important there. And sport, we used to went through a phase where it drove me nuts. We'd call it somehow you, once you get onto these, you can't let them go. And so everything had sport, you know. So uh, where are we going to sport? Are we going to the cafe? Are we sport? All that yeah. sort of stuff. It just drives you nuts. Having said that, of course, uh, you know, an enormous amount of surfing slang somehow creeps in. So things like ho-dad and... Uh, ho-dad? You know, what's ho-dad? ho-dad? Ho-dad means an older person. Oh, uh, and then one that we tried to popularise, which got some traction for a while, but I'm not sure whether we were responsible for its lo- uh, demise, is Ask Clown as well. We <laughs> sort of took over from Dickhead and uh, we tried to establish that as a... Term of derision, but I've probably forgotten hundreds. Yeah. You, you, you failed on Ask Clown, you feel. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's yeah. right. We tried to. It sounds like Facebook, like another version of Facebook. I'm not on Facebook, but you can find me on Ask Clown. If there was a platform called Ask Clown, yeah. I'd use yeah, it. Yeah, you should get on Mercifully, I'm not that's, on Facebook. Yeah, you're going to copyright that. Instead of actually having your face. As your profile oh, that's right. on Ask Clown, yeah, that's right. you have another part. Painted up, this goes back to the like a clown. This goes back to the great rugby league competition of match the mow and buttock. Uh, <laughs> where the phone telegraph for one of those tabloids and have six mows and six rear ends, and you had to match ah. them for a prize. Now that's a game show. Uh, <laughs> There's one last one that I wanted to mention yes, because yes. That, that I, it's so Australian, that, that really understated way. We used to just all the time, all my friends when we were teenagers, there's something was absolutely cataclysmic and horrible and something's going oh. terribly wrong. You go, hey, what's happening? Oh, that's a bit ordinary. Yeah, yeah ordinary. Just, yeah. Ordinary, just yeah. everything was yeah. ordinary. Oh, it's yeah. just a bit ordinary. And it was just, you know, there's been an earthquake, thousands dead. Yeah. Oh, gee, that's oh, a bit ordinary. ordinary. You know, like, just, <laughs> but it's such a great Aussie sort of it understated is, like thing. That. It's ordinary. It's just, everything's just a bit ordinary. Bring it back. Yeah, bring it back. Bring it back, we say. Now, are we ready for the wheel of death, ladies and gentlemen? The wheel of death. 
Well, now, our lovely audience, well, when they I'm came not in sure here. I'm ready for the wheel of death, but that's a <laughs> When our audience came in, they threw these random topics onto the chocolate wheel, and H.G. Nelson has agreed to take on the challenge of talking about one of them. Today's topics are rhubarb, typewriter, monopoly, fruit salad, sayings, Nachos, is it? Uh, Nachos. Nachos, Dungeons and Dragons, amputees, that naturally comic topic. Thank you. Uh, School holidays, Vertigo, Willy Wonka, Lithgow, Shamrocks, Shamrocks, Guinness, Clouds, and we're back to rhubarb. Which one's full of fear, HG? Uh, Well, all of them. Do you think, think which one will most turn you into an arse clown? Well, (laughs) clouds, I think, is a tricky one. Clouds is naturally arse clowny material. Yeah, it is. Okay, let's swing around the wheel and see where it lands. H.G. Nelson to take on the Wheel of Death topic. Where it stops, no one knows. It is on rhubarb. Who who had rhubarb? Uh, Thank you very much. Rhubarb. Yes, what a wonderful topic rhubarb is. Uh, <laughs> there's rhubarb crumble, of course, which is a terrific dish. You boil the rhubarb in water until it comes nice and pulpy and you usually add a bit of sugar or honey to it and then to make up a crumble mixture for the topping. Uh, if you're taking notes, it will be up on the website later, <laughs> the recipe. Maybe a cup of flour, a cup of coconut, a cup of brown sugar or sugar to taste with some cinnamon or, you know, the five spice and then you put in some butter with this, Maybe uh, four, no, 400 grams would be too much, 250 grams of butter. And then you crumble that together so you get a nice... 250 grams of butter is a whole packet. You know that, don't you? 250. I mean, so I'm down to 125 (laughs) the butter. Then you crumble all that together and maybe cook in an oven of 250 degrees. I would would defer to Simon Marnie on the degrees in temperature. Uh, But having said that, uh, rhubarb is also a term of derision. I'm not sure where this comes from, but I could be persuaded it comes from something like The Goon Show, which is an ancient radio program that the ABC still holds the rights to. And sooner or later, when Richard's been fired, they'll put up The Goon Show almost on continuous rotation, much in the manner of Midsummer Murders and... uh, you know, Antiques Roadshow. When they do that, what will happen to the ratings? The ratings will go through the roof uh, (laughs) because kids today will be amazed that that people could be so funny and so stupid and yet so adult all at the same time. So we've covered a fair bit of ground so far from rhubarb, 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 which I think Eccles might have said, character in The Goon Show, could be uh, mistaken there. But then we come to what I consider the nub of the problem, rhubarb wine. Uh, This is an excellent... You know, people forget in Australia how inventive we are with alcohol and alcoholic products. Rhubarb wine is fantastic. You just, um, in fact, you don't need to do much at all. Just uh, put some rhubarb in a bottle with uh, as much sugar as you want want to and leave it there and, hey, presto, you can come back later. And rhubarb gin uh, would be something that I think people should take on board as a serious product uh, because, let's face it, in the future we'll be looking for new markets once we've sold all our iron ore and coal to China. And rhubarb wine could be the saviour. I'm not sure how easy rhubarb, how, is the minute almost up? Uh, I'm not sure how easy rhubarb is to grow, but I'm pretty sure it grows pretty easily mm. and you don't need to do anything to it. You just pour water on it. Well, water may be your problem. <laughs> Having got the, uh, got the plants in the ground, it grows very vigorously and uh, hardly needs any attention at all and some would consider it a weed. It does have a rather attractive flower would be going too far but it does have a flower which you could probably cut and put in a vase and surprise listeners by what's that on the mantelpiece it looks pretty exotic and then point out it's just rhubarb Hey! Hey Shane Nelson! Does he die ladies and gentlemen? Does he die? No! He lives To 
Who's well, filling in for Simon Marnie next time he's away? Yeah. No, 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 he's not. How good? 250 <laughs> was too hot. <laughs> 250 should be 180. And I'm not oh, sure yeah. about the making the the uh, alcoholic beverage. I don't know if it's just sugar you'd have to add to it, or whether you'd have to add something else to it. There'd be some yeast. Yeast, yeah, yeast. But that, yeah, does that make it into a beer sort of thing? If you're going to make it into gin, you're going to gin, have to get some I think you need juniper, a still. I think. Yeah, still, yeah. If you need a still, if you need a still, yeah, Mandy lives in Mullumbimby. The hills are full of them. <laughs> I, yeah, we've got a lot of them. I, I actually, we've got a good distillery up there. It's great. <laughs> I go up there every day. <laughs> we love making stuff up there. If it's prohibited, we're into it. <laughs> now, an article on, uh, on modern dating this week says there's a new standard of chivalrous behaviour. Uh, a gentleman, apparently, <laughs> when on the dating scene, should offer a full range of phone charges, including Android, iPhone and Kindle, on his bedside table so that any visitors can recharge their device in the morning. Now, I thought chivalry was dead, but does this prove it still exists? And what do you think is the bare minimum to offer any overnight guests? Mandy? That is so creepy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, you're going, I thought we might have a committed relationship, but I see you have a number of different options. You've got the Android option. You're like, you clearly got it open. There's a, look, it's nice to know you can actually call an Uber to get out. <laughs> uh, so that, that's happening. So I guess having access to the Uber app's good. If they pay, it's good. I think having for the, for the breakfast, you're going to have to have the full gluten-free mm. range. If you have to have a vegan option, you're going to have to have um, kale, turmeric, uh, turmeric latte. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to have all the milks, the soy milk, the almond milk, yeah. the oat milk, the rice milk. The actual full fat milk, the low cream milk, the A2 milk with the high, the high milk protein. Uh, you're going to need breast milk. Uh, there's going to have to be a, like a whole lot of the milks. Yeah. Um, this is a lot to establish if yeah, you're just well, chatting at the I pub tell you one what, night. I'm up to my third husband. I've been through a lot of this and I, I can tell you if I go out on the game again, this is what I'm going to be looking for. What I'd like to see is something like TripAdvisor, uh, like a, oh, review, a reviewing yeah. function yeah. up there um, so that before you actually go on the date, you just... Google the person that's on the Tinder and you see the reviews left by the previous people. Hmm. And it's but weird. they might say he's only got one charger. Exactly. And you're going, well, I'm not going there. <laughs> you, remember, remember that time when we were girls and we believed that we'd be rescued by a man on a charger? <laughs> ah, <very laughs> now it's with a charger. Now it's with his chargers. Oh, yeah, anyway, that's, that's my is this Sabi, is this creepy or is it uh, chivalrous? And, and what's the bare minimum these days? I think it is very sensible. I mean, I'm a bit... I don't, I don't, I don't know about the, uh, the Kindle bit. That's going a bit far. I mean, who's going, you know, like you're going... Would you like to read something? Uh, you know. <laughs> Gee, honey, that was great, but I've got to get back to The Handmaid's Tale. You know what I mean? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Like, I've got a will kit here. <laughs> that's right. So the Kindle's probably going too far. But the charging bit, I mean, it's great. I mean, young people, because things have changed. But doesn't it imply that you're, you've had one other date the week yeah. before and you're expecting a, a, a different date the, yeah. the next day? No, no, it doesn't. That you, you're waiting for the one. The one. And you don't know what the one is going to need. You might need medication. You might need an asthma saying. puffer. You might need warfarin. Exactly. Uh, there might be a bleeder. You, you've got to, you might need ice packs. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to freak people. I've got a lot of medical gear here. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> just, just don't worry about the tourniquets. It's just in case you're a bleeder. Anyway, when are we going to have our second date? <laughs> defibrillator paddles. <laughs> I can really go, baby, if you know what I mean. You might need these. And the plastic bag isn't for How old are the guys you're dating? 
Oh, you should see what we do. No. Uh, <laughs> defib- Imagine having to smash the glass case. <laughs> so I'm, very low tech. I'm very low tech. I, I know about first night nerves. Uh, I suffer them for myself. And so I usually have a couple of, you know, easy to remember sporting stories, usually about the... <laughs> Adelaide Cup or the Balaclava <laughs> Cup to settle down first night nerves. And I often serve uh, a rhubarb gin uh, and, you know, occasionally have a fresh, a fresh rhubarb crumble on hand. Uh, How long does the story go, the one about the South? The South well, South. these are elaborate stories uh, because I never date anybody who yeah. probably knows anything about the Adelaide Cup. I'm not knocking people for not knowing These stories are like Rohypnol. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, I supply a form guide for that day's racings the following morning, and I find these things are just... People have never come across them before and wonder what they are, and suddenly relaxation occurs. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of rhubarb gins in your way. Just like the gentleman in America has multiple charges, do you have multiple form guides? Well, <clears throat> no. To different sports? Because no. you know, the, the, they might be interested in the, horse racing, the but trots. they also I mean, might the be trots. interested in the, in the puppies. <laughs> in the a bad night if they're into the trots. <laughs> into the trots. That's back to the medical gear. <laughs> I've, got some, I've got some pills for that. Yeah. Wow. I've got to remind ourselves we've got a million-dollar dog race coming up. It gives you an idea of how much money there is in New South Wales. I think it's on the... Is it, um, coming up onto the 19th, so it might be the 18th. Mm. There's a million-dollar dog race, there's a million-dollar trot race, wow. and there's a several-million-dollar horse race on the next day. So, Lots. I mean, I'm hoping to get lucky on those nights. You know what I'd like uh, to see on the dog race? Because, yes. you know, everyone's got their little designer dogs now, so to actually kind of you know, get people engaged in dog racing. It's like maybe race the, like the Shih Tzus. Mm. Oh. The little dogs, you know, the angry little mm. dogs you oh, see in cafes. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great idea. Isn't it? And just mm. get them racing. You'd, you'd maybe have a card of eight races of which yeah. the, the million-dollar dog race is yeah. the yeah. principal race. A couple of poodles. But a, mm. around that you'd mm. have, well, poodles in all sizes. Because they be could terrific. chase a greyhound. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, be embarrassing if they caught the greyhound. <laughs> An old greyhound. <laughs> Who were the uh, winners and losers of uh, this week, Subby? Uh, my winner, uh, Jason Donovan. Did you see this about Jason? You remember Jason Donovan? Bless him. Well, uh, there was a fire across the road from his house. This is in London, right? In London. Or, yeah. And uh, he went out in his undies yeah. uh, with a fire extinguisher and put it out. So what a winner. Just, he yeah. proves that he's still a good neighbour. Ah, oh, very good. Hey. Hey. Did he have a, did he have a choice of three nozzles? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how his fire extinguisher works, to be fair. Uh, and the, well, I was, I've just occurred to me, my loser was the president of Finland who had to go through that ridiculous um, situation with, with, with Trump. He was rolling his up. But then I thought, actually, he's the winner, really, because he didn't, have to say he didn't and he didn't fawn over Trump like other world leaders have recently. No. He uh, just what gave it What are you talking <laughs> about? He gave it the contempt it deserved. But, it, man, well, imagine having to go through that, Trump just carrying on like a like an ass clown. A very good uh, yeah, yes. excuse. Like a pork chop. <laughs> yeah. Well, he put his hand on the Finnish president's well, neck, And he didn't flicked he? him and away very quickly. Away. Yeah, he wasn't happy. So yeah. good on him. Winners and losers, Mandy Nolan. Uh, well, I had the loser was, I, I've come across, I can't remember, didn't put his name, but it was some Aussie dad who took his kid out of school because they were learning about climate change. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, good one, mate. That'll that'll stop things. Uh, there'll be no coastal sea rise now. Take him out. Don't let him know about it. So I thought he was a bit of a loser. 
And the winner was this kid. Well, if you don't know, it can't hurt you. Exactly. That's That's how denial works. Um, That's what I said when they rang up wanting my um, GST and BAS statement. I went, no, Uh, I don't don't believe it exists. Um, I'm not working with that system anymore, so whatever. Uh, It's a hoax. Uh, The whole tax system is a hoax. Uh, I'll send you the link on YouTube. Uh, Well, if Tony Abbott can say climate change is is, is crap, then you can say the whole tax system. So can I? And you should be able to. And the winner of the... So the winner was this kid in Minnesota. He was running this kind of like a 5K run, right, and he went the – did you see this? He went the wrong way and he was so freaked out his mum would be angry. He did the 10K run. He did it that fast. He won. Uh, (laughs) Because he was so frightened of his mum being angry. He didn't know how far he ran. He just kept running. He just kept running. I'm going to get home. Mum's going to be really angry. Mum's angry. Mum's – you know, mum's give that lecture. Where were you? I told you to be here at this particular time and you didn't turn. And he's gone, I don't want to hear it. And so he just – Blasted. I love the fact that as a mother of, I think it's 17 at oh, last 17 count, um, that you love that story. I love it because I, I like to think that's how my children feel about me. <laughs> uh, but in a state of constant terror. Yeah, that's right, yeah, the fear. Yeah, a yeah. constant feeling. You'd never want them to, because I always say, don't, all this consistency in parenting, what rubbish. You need them to not know what's going to happen next. <laughs> and that element of danger, that's how Trump operates. Uh, <laughs> their best time in their day is when you go off to the still, isn't it? They, they just get exactly. some time off. Oh, not when she gets back. <laughs> Winners and losers. HD. Well, I thought the Moyne Council was the big winner. The uh, this is an area, I think, of Victoria where the, uh, the council got a million dollars they didn't ask for because they're not suffering drought. Uh, it's a terrific story. It's a government at work and uh, with your tax money. Uh, so that's great. And I they, had, they had to give it back, didn't they? They said, well, they wanted they to, offered to give it back. They wanted to. Then they got the Weather Bureau involved or the Mid Bureau of Mid- where Creedy Works, anyway, uh, involved and they discovered that they'd been out of drought for some time. Uh, but then, of course, on the, on the upside, I had New South Wales water as a loser in a parallel sort of universe because there is none. Uh, and even worse is that, uh, you know, Josh, Barnaby and Dave, went on a listening tour and they couldn't hear a drip anywhere. So that was uh, really difficult. I thought that Holden were a bad loser this week. Uh, It's the worst car sales ever. And I found that hard to imagine that even in 1948 when they started making the Holden, they don't make it anymore, obviously. That was something that Tony Abbott got rid of. He was so much better Australia without it. Um, even in 1948, they sold more than 2,863 in the year. And this year, or you know, they've got down to record lows in terms of their numbers. Um, I thought also that uh, Scott Morris, I couldn't work out whether he's a winner or a loser. Obviously the most powerful man in Australia. But, of course, the little gnawing person inside me says, and, of course, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> Please thank Sammy Valentine, H.G. Nelson, Mandy Nolan. <laughs> Next week, we have Brady Quarles, Jim Kitson and Carlo Ritchie. See you then. Now, with a special Letter from America with Tommy Dean. It is time for another Letter from America with Tommy Dean as our TGIF regular returns to his homeland. After two decades down under. So how's he finding it? (laughs) Chapter three. Tommy Dean is on the line again from the States. Hi, Tommy. And hello, Australia. Now, when we last talked, it was a very dire situation. You'd gone and got a stained old mattress to have somewhere to sleep. Uh, The people you're renting the place from had been so concerned about your ability to pay the rent. They'd try to organise you a job. Now, if my calculations are right, you've now done your first day in that job. 
I did. I completed my training as of this afternoon. Uh, very excited. The training days. I had three uh, very intensive days of training. Uh, day one, uh, they introduced me to uh, what I believe the technophiles call a telephone. <laughs> And they went over the various things you can do with a telephone. Huh. Did you know, this is interesting, because you know, we're using the office phone, so you have to lift it out of a cradle. Yeah. I got even more old school. I said, all right, so you know, step two of the training was how do you canvas a lead? Okay, you should and, explain what the job is so we know what uh, canvas a lead is. Lead is. To uh, sell advertising on the radio. Yeah. Typically, is to ferret out leads. I, I am the person who opens the door. For the salesman to walk through. So this is a community radio station in a small town. You're cold calling the local business, you know, the bike shop or the uh, cafe, and, and asking them whether they'd be interested in pursuing some advertising. Yes, that, that, is, that is a – really, you should have explained it to me. <laughs> it would have saved a day of training. <laughs> they made it sound much more complicated as we worked through a variety of buzzwords, but that's, that's exactly the best description I've heard of what I have to do. Okay, so how, then, how are you going to do it? Like, let's let's pretend that what's the town called again? Uh, the town is called Alton. Alton. Okay, I'm I'm running the the Alton funeral business, and I've never advertised before. I, I pick up the phone. You you've picked up the phone out of the cradle. You dial the number. What do you do then? I pick up. Oh, you picked it up, and I say, "Hello, is that Richard of Richard and Sons?" Yeah, sure. Uh, excellent. It's good to talk to you, sir. My name is Tommy, and I represent uh, the local radio station. We would very much like to help you help yourself by spreading the word of your excellent business to the community afar. And I believe that we can do that if you would just give us 15 minutes of your time to have one of our sales reps come in and have a chat to you about how we can make your business more attractive to the people who are alive. <laughs> My clients are dead, Tommy. <laughs> I think you got to get to the relatives, Richard. I, I, I think uh, you need to look at the big picture here. Uh, I just want to be very clear that I am not trying to sell you something today. John is going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but what if I say, Tommy, you seem very nice. I'd rather deal with you. I, I don't like the sound of this John guy. Well, I'll tell you what, Richard. Uh, I like the sound of you as well, and I will do what I can to be at that meeting. So if I can put you down... Uh, for this Thursday, can I get you down for this Thursday, say 1 p.m.? Yeah. John is available for a meeting then, and I could certainly come along and make sure that he does everything properly. Uh, well, I have you on the line, Richard. Uh, this is a bit of a part-time job that I'm working in. Uh, any chance you need a hearse driver? <laughs> <laughs> so after three or four days of training, when are you going to be unleashed on the public? I begin uh, tomorrow is final training day where we are going to refine my systems. And I'm going to start officially. My first call will go out Monday, start a business. And are you hating That's the idea of it or you think it's going to be fun? I have learned because uh, one of the days we talked about uh, philosophical management uh, of the telemarketer's mind. And the key to success is to thinking successfully. If I allow the cynical comic part of my brain to dissect what is happening right now, I could very well sabotage my efforts. 
But Tommy, you haven't. I mean, I know. I know people who have listened to your previous letters know the story. You've gone over to look after your your boy who's going to high school for a, for a little while there, and, and and all that stuff. It's great. But you've never had a proper job like this, a sort of few dollars an hour kind of job. Well, not for a long time. You've been a stand up comic. You've been doing the the warm ups for for programs like Q and A, things like TGIF, comedy tours. How's it going to be to have an actual job? Job. I'm I'm looking forward to the challenge. I uh, know it's it's, uh, it's actually it's deeply disturbing, and that's one of the things that I have to quit yelling when they say no to me. Is do you know who I am in Australia? <laughs> Listen, sir, you may not be interested in advertising with our local radio station, but I want you to look up the following clips on YouTube. <laughs> I am somebody. <laughs> Damn it! If you want to know how I feel about how this call went, I want you to download the following podcast. <laughs> And well, listen to the bit at the end. That's me, sir. That's me. Gee, this is going to be very challenging on a whole sort of series of levels, isn't it? Uh, it is. But, you know, there's also, I think, uh, also uh, eye-opening. I think sometimes, you, you know, you have to take the good with the bad uh, to be philosophical about it. And, 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 and to be, you know, serious-ish for just a slight moment. I remember a time uh, when my father, who was uh, mostly a middle manager, in his life, he was uh, always a project manager at a variety of uh, very suit-oriented jobs. Uh, but I remember a time in his life where he was in between good jobs, as he would have called it. And uh, I remember going down to the local you know, corner store, like 7-Eleven style convenience store. And he was the cashier. That's what he did. Mm. Hold things together until he could get back into the office where he belonged. Yeah, and good on so, him. I mean, good on him, actually. That's, I think that's great. He did the things you have to do. So if I have to make a few phone calls beg people to see my friends in advertising. <laughs> I'm willing to do that. Does your boy appreciate what you're doing for him? Not a, not a jot from what I can tell. <laughs> in fact, he's out as well. He just got his, we talked about that last time, but he has his citizenship, so he's allowed to apply for jobs now. So he came back yesterday with applications from all the local cafes, and I said, what did you apply for? He said, oh, they're all looking for dishwashers. And I said, son, you haven't washed a dish since we got here. Look right now in our sink. <laughs> I want you to go over there and start training that you can write on those applications. You have practical experience. So, yeah, we're all, we're all making sacrifices. Tommy, what happens if, if your boy gets $1.50 an hour more than you do? Well, that's one of the great things about minimum wage. It's a, it's a leveler. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would, I'm not one to compete on those levels. I mean, I'm on commission sales, and so, you know, who knows? I only have to work. If I do it right, seven minutes. Yeah, and you know we're going to collect money to buy a TJF ad on your station. <laughs> yeah. So you'll get commission for that. It's true. But, you know, given, given what my commission is, I would just rather you guys take up a collection and just send it straight to me and then I'll just mention you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just individually advertise TGIF with every company. I used to tell you, I represent the local community station. And I'm also the voice of TGIF, Sydney, Australia. Uh, we'll talk about that at the end of this call, yeah. sir. But wait, Sydney, Australia, time. where is that? <laughs> what is that? Uh, actually, uh, what is Sydney, Australia, is a place where spring has just sprung. It's really quite hot today. So I, I guess by inverse logic, it must be autumn there, start of autumn. An exact shift. It's so hilarious. Yesterday, and I uh, talk in Fahrenheit now, uh, yesterday was 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And uh, today, bang, 67. And not looking about giving above 70 for the rest of the week. So we are, yes, fall has fallen just as spring has sprung for you. Uh, what I'm concerned about is that now that suddenly fall is for real in the air, 
everybody locally is talking about the upcoming winter. So very much like uh, the old Game of Thrones catchphrase, uh, winter is coming, is very much on the tongues of the Alton residents. And they say it with a certain mischievous glare in their eye for one who has never lived through it. So this is, is this Illinois, is that right? Uh, this is, yeah, Southern Illinois. Il- Illinois. So this, this will get proper cold, right? Oh, we're right dead Midwest. We're, you know, we're like a town that has tornado sirens that are tested once a week. And severe winters, when they talked about, you know, the polar inversion last year, uh, this was a place that suffered it. Uh, I have a feeling that at some point near December, an ice dragon will fly over the top of my house. (laughs) Did you take proper clothing? Hilariously, I was just looking at my clothing, and I appear that I was more concerned about winter than summer. So I've been living the last month in two pairs of shorts and three T-shirts, but I have four jackets ready. (laughs) You, You are armed for winter. Yes, I believe so, in the sense that I have heavy jackets. Uh, I am not sure how mentally prepared I am, but there is a snow shovel in the basement that stares at me in a way that scares me. <laughs> it's going to be so cold. So, you know, the, the, the radio job, is, is this the only, only job you're, uh, you're going to go for? Oh, no, I also have an application in to become a professional grocery shopper. What's that? Oh, it's like... Well, it's like home, you know, grocery delivery. So in my mind, I imagine it's a much more wholesome version of stock picking, basically. Uh, there's a, a local middleman company that does grocery delivery. Uh-huh. So you, like an Uber driver, you accept the fact that, I, you know, Richard needs groceries. I say, I'll shop for Richard. And then I rush to the store and I look at all the things that you've chosen and I quickly put them into a trolley, tally them up, bag them and bring them to your house. But, Tommy, you haven't got a car. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> have you thought this through? They have. A, you can start by being just the trolley boy. So I, my plan is to just be the shopper. If you can be a shopper or a driver or a shopper driver, and shopper driver is apparently where it's at, but just a shopper or just a driver is perfectly valid. So I'm going to use my knowledge of grocery aisles and trolley steering mechanics to uh, be a professional shelf puller. And I've asked this question before. In fact, it was five minutes ago. But as Tommy Dean works as a trolley boy in order to make enough money, in order to stay in America, in order to help keep his kid at high school, in order that the kid can play on the team, in the uh, basketball team, does he appreciate it? There, I, I think appreciation from children is like a long-term investment. <laughs> I'm not seeing it today. <laughs> But I can't help but think that in another decade or so, it's going to just suddenly hit him. Yeah. My father, a successful, mature stand-up comic, father of three, quite successful in the Australian media, gave it all up in order to become a trolley boy in the United States for three months in order that I could play basketball. Yeah. There's also a place that uh, does, like, drive-through convenience stores. So I might have a chat to them as well for people that can't be bothered getting out of their car to go in and buy a soda. <laughs> <laughs> a serious question. What's, what's the minimum wage there now? Uh, in Illinois, it is uh, $8. $8 an hour. Plus or minus, I think it's like, you know, seven ninety-five. dollars But let's call it 8 And let's remind everyone that that's $8 U.S. dollars. So about $13 or something, I suppose. It's gruesome. It's, 
It's gruesome is what it is. <laughs> All I need to do right now, if there are any comedy promoters who in the last couple of years, I turned down your gig because I felt you weren't paying enough, I would just like to apologize. <laughs> do people there realize that in all of Europe and in places like America, and I guess in Canada too, there is a much higher minimum wage that it really is pretty low by world standards, by, by developed oh, they, world standards. They know. Uh, well, the people on minimum wage, they certainly know. Uh, there is, and I don't, I haven't followed the news extensively, but I do know that there is a report running around in the last day or two suggesting that somewhere up the ranks of the elite was the suggestion that $350,000 a year was only middle class in America, that some of those people were struggling. So uh, I don't think they've really had a hard look at the $8 an hour people. I have not met anyone, because I was everyone, this is quite a small town, and everyone that I've met so far has two to three things working at any given time. Because you need to. You need to have three yeah, jobs well, to survive. Not just because hourly, but just from the hours, you know. There's not a lot of full-time, you know, and that's happening in Australia as well, but that idea that everybody wants part-time because it cuts down on benefits, so everybody has three part-time jobs. And what, just whilst we're talking about politics, is there much about, because you know, Australia's not often in the headlines, but I know that this phone call between Trump and Morrison has had a lot of headlines in America. So uh, does that sort of percolate down to Illinois? Oh, it certainly does. I was quite shocked today. I was uh, on the bus. Uh, Route 9, just for those of you that know the local Alton bus transportation system, uh, I was on Route 9 northbound, and uh, a couple of fellas that are on there about the same time that I am every week uh, were having their uh, daily chat. They tend to watch the news. They mostly stick to weather and uh, the occasional car chase, but uh, it was the first time I'd heard Australia mentioned it. One of them kept saying, and it took me a while to work out he was talking about Australia because he kept saying, did you hear... Did you hear about how Trump got all up in that minister? And the other fellow said, yeah, yeah, I saw that on the news. Said, no, that, he got up in that minister. And I don't know what church that Australia listens to, but their minister has been involved with Trump somehow. So I got to get home and find out what church their minister is. They don't know prime minister or foreign minister because they don't use those terms. So they think minister is a church thing. They think minister is a church thing. And uh, also, I've noticed that I went back to look at the news myself. They almost never, ever say Scott Morrison. They only ever say the Prime Minister of Australia. The Prime Minister of Australia. The Prime Minister of Australia. Yeah. And they say words like Australian lawmakers because they don't want to bother explaining about the Senate and the House of Reps and the ministers and the front bench and the back. So they say Australian lawmakers. Yeah, it's all very common. In fact, I met my son's government teacher and she's quite interested in various forms of government, as you would hope she would be. And uh, she was excited that, uh, to have someone that could answer questions. But I said, yes, you know, of course, we have the Senate, very much European parliamentarian, parliamentarian style. And then she said, uh, who's in charge at the moment? And I said, oh, you know, the Minister Morrison. I don't know what church he is. but Well, actually, there is an answer, Pentecostal. So there you go. Maybe you should have just answered that. And they found out what ministry he was. <laughs> it is great to talk to you again, uh, Tommy. Good luck, you know, as winter starts to... To bring its icy tentacles to the town of Alton, Illinois, we hope that when you uh, do your first cold call on Monday, it goes well, and we will look forward to the adventures of you in an American grocery store trying to find the products with all that choice. In the next letter, in the next letter, I am I am just going to brag about how many eight dollars I've made. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I hope this is a story about a dad 
and his son. And that's all I can say. Hey, uh, Tommy, next week, another letter. We'll look forward to it. Cheers. You guys have a beautiful start to summer. There you go. There's Mr. Thomas Dean with his letter from America. With a special letter from America. With Tommy Dean. And there'll be another letter from America, this time next week with Tommy Dean.